All right, it's finally here. Hello world, hello universe. My name is Simon, AKA Scylla Simon, and I welcome you to the very first numero uno, first edition, episode one, the beginning of our journey, the very first step, podcast number one of Scylla Simon's discussions on psilocybin mushrooms. I've recorded this like 20 times and I hate the format because it's so bloody robotic with the cut and paste and you know what, what am I worried about mistakes, like who cares, I'm not perfect, like who gives a shit, my very first podcast ever, what am I worried about it, so I'm just going to let it roll man and just be natural because I kind of like it better that way, so this is a topic that's been getting a lot of media attention lately and finally positive media attention because science is now confirming what shamans have known for thousands of years, that they show significant health benefits to the mind and body of human beings. Now me personally, I have 28 years of experience with this natural medicine, the food of the gods, this wonderful magical fungi. And it's definitely played a major role in my life and been a lifelong passion and infatuation. They've helped me guide me through the years, you know, the good times and the bad times, and I hope to share some of this experience and learn a shit ton more myself as we dive headfirst down this rabbit hole. Now, I think I have a pretty sweet list of ideas for future episodes to keep you fellow psychonauts, amateur mycologists, mushroom hunters, patients, and those totally new to this intriguing topic excited and ready to listen and learn and take part in this discussion on psilocybin mushrooms. So I'm unconventional, so expect my podcast to be as well. I don't really even listen to that many podcasts, like maybe Joe Rogan, man. I love Joe Rogan. That's really the only one I listen to. What up, Joe? So I imagine it will morph into something cool eventually, and I'm, I don't know, I'm willing to put myself out there. Now, this first episode is going to be a recollection story, but for future episodes, I plan on interviewing other people in the field of psychedelic mushrooms, from mycologists and patients and doctors and cultivators and foragers. I'm going to bioassay, meaning test out rare species and share my experiences on the mic. I'm going to talk to elders who partake in mushroom and peyote ceremonies. I want to talk about psychedelics and sex. I want to talk to artists. I want to talk to musicians. I want to talk to you. So, I came up unknowingly to Paul as a complete Paul Stamets student. From the moment we got psilocybin mushrooms of the world in like 96, 97, to the totally groundbreaking and awe-inspiring book, Mycelium Running. Now, a lot of people are just learning about Paul, but I've been following him and inspired by him for like over 25 years. And I owe a lot to him and was honored to finally meet him and get his autograph a couple years ago. Uh, I gave Paul a single beautiful Psilocybe Avoidiocystidiata specimen. Now, this was at a conference for bees where Paul was talking about his groundbreaking and earth-saving techniques of using the amadou tincture to strengthen the immune system of the bees. So, magic mushrooms were not on the radar tonight. So, his eyes lit up. And I said, Paul, do you know what this is? And I could sense his excitement as he stuttered. No, do you? And I said, of course I do, man. It's my baby. It's a Psilocybe avodiocystidiata, but it's sporeless. That's why it looks weird. And he says, can I have it? And I looked to the right for a second, and I looked him right in the eye, and I said, of course, man. You're my fucking hero. So 
Paul's been a huge inspiration to study mycology in general and cultivate all kinds of delicious mushrooms, especially for someone like me that, like, I didn't do well in school. So, like, I, <laughs> I only graduated high school. But for some reason, throughout my life, I've been infatuated with science. And Paul was one of those guys that, like, made me do it, man. Like, so I want to show my gratitude from all the human beings and life forms on this planet for, you know, your lifelong work. I hope you'll be remembered as, you know, one of the most important people of our time. Who knows? Maybe he'll hear this podcast. <laughs> maybe I can interview him one day. I'm a dreamer and I always dream big. So I want to manifest destiny here. Another big influence in mushrooms is the amazing character I met at theshroomery.com. So when I first got a hold of the internet, like around 97-ish, the first thing I searched for, well, after boobs, of course, was for other mushroom lovers. And I found theshroomery.com where I spent a lot of time in like the late 90s, early 2000s. Then I returned around like 2010-ish, and that's when I met Alan. Alan Rockefeller, who I like to call the Indiana Jones of mycology, made a lot of us, you know, really step up our game huge, like from using microscopes and, and to really stepping up our photography, you know, and he looked at lots of specimens for me over the years, so I appreciate that. I remember once he invited me, to, I think it was the Santa Cruz Mushroom Fair to run the, the psilocybin table. Well, hey, Alan, I'm divorced now, so I can do cool shit like that, so invite me, I'm there. Another inspiration I met way back when I was 17 was Mushroom John himself, John Allen. Uh, Psilocybe Elenii was named in his honor, which gave me great joy a few years back, and I got a hold of John, so hopefully John will be my first guest for episode two or three, so let's everybody please give positive thoughts for this so this podcast can be blessed with him. John Allen on <laughs> this podcast would be awesome, so let's hope for that. So... I first learned about magic mushrooms, surprisingly and funny enough, from my own father. He was a proud ex-hippie and he had many a vivid tale that he would tell so lovingly about tripping out on LSD and this thing that he called magic mushrooms that gave you mystical experiences. Even as a kid, I kind of had this interest in mushrooms, probably from things like the Smurfs and all like the 70s mushroom motif shit that was out there. So... I don't, I'm strictly a mushroom guy. I don't mess with acid anymore. I had my bad experience in life. And it's totally cool if you do, man. Like, it's awesome. Like, I'm, it's just not for me. So, every episode, I want to feature a species of the day. Now, there's hundreds of psilocybin mushrooms. So, that gives many a possibility for upcoming episodes. So, send me a message for species if you want me to talk about it. I'm totally down with that. I would love that. Because this first episode is a recollection story of uh, my very first mushroom experience on the potent little grass dweller, Liberty Caps, I felt it was very fitting to start with this one. The scientific name for Liberty Caps is Psilocybe semilanceata. Semis, or libs as they're sometimes called, are one of the most common species found worldwide in temperate climates. From the PNW of the US through BC and Alaska, up to the you know, around the UK, parts of Europe, Scandinavia, Eastern Canada, even parts of New Zealand. And it's theorized Liberty Caps decompose dead grass, so naturally you're going to find them in grassy places. Early summer farther north through fall and uh, early winter for more southern parts. 
they grow until we get first frost and then they pretty much die off it's always what happens and it sucks when you get an early winter and it's like things are pumping and it's <sighs> ruins it i hate that so a common misconception is that they grow from animal dung but they're not coprophilic meaning they do not decompose that shit rather that shit fertilizes the grass that can be healthy and later it can die for them to decompose the so animals aren't necessarily needed it's rare but i once found a big patch in a baseball diamond another time while i was in the city of surrey bc i was looking for psilocybe cyanescens and i'm walking down the sidewalk and in between these two sidewalks is this little grassy area and there's this perfect little patch of liberty caps right in the middle but i guess when you're linked to the mushrooms you know you're connected you find them everywhere so there's a few distinguishing features that can help you differentiate between the plethora of small little mushrooms in the grass fortunately mushrooms gave us little distinguishing features for us to learn little minute differences that if you take the time to do your homework foraging for medicine and food can be safe and extremely enjoyable first thing to look for is the cap color Psilocybe semilanceata is a dark chestnut brown like many of species in the genus. They're hygraphinous, meaning on sunny days they're going to dry to a yellow color. Uh, they're typically bell-shaped, but I've found them completely flat as well. And Alan Rockefeller looked at the spores and they turned out to be semis and not strict typies, which who knows if that even exists. I've never seen it. So if you flip the cap over and look at the gills, they should be dark brown brownish purple looking never white so if you pick up a little small brown mushroom in the grass and the gills are white it's not right that's just a mycena but if you do a spore print meaning you cut the stem off and lay the cap down gills down on a piece of white paper and cover it with a cup and you let it sit overnight and in the morning you'll see the cap deposited beautiful purple brown spores now this spore color is the key spore color for all active mushrooms in the genus uh, Psilocybe. I know you cultivators are going to be saying, oh, I got, I got rust spores, I got rust spores. <laughs> That's just a mutation. We're talking natural mushrooms here. Uh, the stipe or the stem is white, whitish to brown. It's usually about as long as the grass that's supporting it. So if it's in short grass, it's going to be really short stems. And sometimes, it's been a long time since I've found them in really, really tall grass. Like, I remember back in the 90s, we used to crawl around with gloves on and swim through this really tall grass. And there would be these really long stem liberty caps. But I don't know. I don't find them anymore. It's kind of weird. Uh, now, a key feature that was taught to me on my very first hunting trip back in like 1993, they all said, look for the slime. Now, back in the 70s, 80s, and into the early 90s, it was very common to hunt for these mushrooms in the field. But this was the days way before the internet, and there wasn't really any good books before, you know, psilocybin mushrooms of the world came out. Basically, like, there's like the Autobahn, and there's like four species in there. But back in the day, if you went to the library and any mushroom book that you picked out of the library, you would see all the pages that had magic mushrooms were always ripped out. That was like a thing. So we had to rely on a mix of facts and fables passed down from generation to the next. And it definitely wasn't very scientific. But I know now that this key feature is the gelatinous layer that protects the cap and keeps it moist. It's called a viscid pellicle. So if you take the cap and you gently split it apart, you'll notice there's a transparent sticky layer over the flesh of the cap. 
Oh, wow, that was a lot. So you're probably wondering how much to take. Like, they're small, and that's kind of a common misconception. Like, semis are, I think, the third or fourth highest, con uh, according to psilocybin mushrooms of the world, I think they're the third highest in psilocybin, and for overall alkaloids, I think they're number four. So, an interesting thing to note, and something that's never ever really talked about, but it's something I stumbled upon while researching other alkaloids and mushrooms besides the common psilocybin, psilocin, baocystin, and norbaocystin. Now, I came upon a paper from the UK about magic mushroom poisonings. And as it turns out, Liberty Caps are to blame for most of these cases of so-called poisonings. Now, they're probably more like bad trips than poisonings, you know what I mean? Because it, it, to me, it seems really strange that we're now using psilocybin mushrooms to treat anxiety, but these mushrooms actually can cause anxiety. Now, I know this firsthand. It's, taking Liberty Caps is not like taking Cubenzies. It's the mindfuck is completely different. Like, it's not even comparable. So, and not to blame on the psilocybin, psilocin, basis or norbase system. No. They actually found an amphetamine. So, they found the presence of phenylthylamine. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that right. So, you know, hit me up. Don't, like, cut me down for it. I'm no scientist. Like, and I'm not going to act like a chemist and try to totally explain this or act like I completely understand it. But, um, so, the paper is called... Oh, sorry. It's called the pre uh, yeah the paper that I found, which you can check out if you're interested. It's called the presence of phenylthylamine in hallucinogenic psilocybin mushrooms: possible role in adverse reactions. By Anders Hallander, Olaf Beck, Christine Karsten Steiber, and Nikolai Stevenson. So in this study, they found the presence of the deep carboxylated product of the amino acid phenylthylamine, which is called PEA. So, this causes amphetamine-like effects, like anxiety, accelerated heart rate, and stuff. And it's very interesting to note that schizophrenics who suffer from, you know, delusional hallucinations have high levels of PA in their urine. So, I find this very, very interesting. And it's something that I think needs to be looked into more as we start to use this stuff as medicine. You know, I don't think that all mushrooms are equal for their medicinal value. So, and since this medicine is, is becoming mainstream, and psilocybin mushrooms, you know, it's in its infancy now, you know, I'm going to be the first to say, or maybe not the first, but I'm going to say, maybe you've never heard anyone else say it, that if you're going to microdose for anxiety, don't use Liberty Caps. Me, personally, for microdosing, Cubenzies are hands down the best. And maybe ovoids too. Ovoids are really, really, really good for microdosing as well. So, yeah, I wouldn't recommend that species. So, this concludes my very first species of the day. And I'm going to take a little break. And then I'm going to jump into the story part of this podcast. So, thanks everyone for listening so far. So the story begins on a sunny afternoon in the autumn of 1993. 
I had just turned 13 that summer and I was enjoying the huge change that high school brought to my life. Top of the list was definitely all the new girls, all the new friends, and all the wicked new music of the era and skateboarding. So I had this job. It was a pretty cool job when you're like 12, 13 years old. We would canvas for the city papers and go door to door try to get subscriptions for the paper. A couple older neighborhood kids got me the job and this is where I'd started smoking weed that summer. It was fun because we were from a small town and we'd always work out of town, so that was that was nice. We make a few bucks, we fuck around, and at the end of the day we always got free McDonald's, so we were always stoked on that. So we were hanging out in this construction site, like we often did for some reason. We were from small towns, so like nothing was ever built, so that was like a fun and exciting thing to do. Go hang out in these half-built houses. My buddy pulls out this giant bag of fresh mushrooms. And he says to me, do you want to try magic mushrooms? And I'm like, fuck yeah. Now, I got to insert a serious warning here. Everyone, please, if you're listening, do not ever, 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 ever eat unidentified mushrooms. Like, this is some serious shit, man. I was a stupid kid, I guess, but never, ever do this. This is like a serious lesson here that can be learned from this story right off the bat. Do not ever eat unidentified mushrooms. The wrong mushroom picked by an amateur noob has the potential to like ruin your kidneys and some even kill you, man. So as an educational piece, I cannot stress this enough. So I say, fuck yeah, when he pulls out this, you know, it's obvious we can't just eat these slimy, dirty mushrooms. So we decide to walk to the store and buy some sandwiches and and head back to that half-built house. I have no idea how much to take, and neither does he. Little do we know, we could have gotten a nice little buzz off just like two or three fresh, you know, Psilocybe Semilanciata. Being like so high on the potency list, you know, like... But we don't know. That was way before any books or any kind of information. And fresh mushrooms are extremely potent. Mushrooms lose, you know, a good amount in their potency in drying. So I'm about to ingest one of the most potent mushrooms in the world and eat the damn things fresh. So, naturally, we pile these huge handfuls on these sandwiches and we struggle to choke it down. Every bite is filled with this intense fungal flavor. I have no idea what to expect. As an ignorant kid, I can't fathom what's about to occur. The complete mindfuck I'm about to endure. From my dad's stories, I'm kind of expecting to be able to project these fun, happy hallucinations. You know, of like Bart Simpson, Bugs Bunny, Ninja Turtles or something. Little do I know the psychological turmoil I was about to experience. It was beginning to get dark. And I began to feel this tightening in my jaw. And I began to yawn. But this yawn was like no other yawn I'd felt in my entire life. I was not tired. What what was happening? Why was this? What's going on? And I could feel this energy going through my system and in my jowls. And as I yawned, this gigantic yawn, the world changed. We decided to leave that house and we walked to school that was just down the street 
and the sky was filled with colors and patterns. There was a playground, and as kids, we naturally were like, let's go to the playground, and we started playing, but the world was not the same. Everything was breathing, the trees and the ground, the pea gravel all around the playground. It began to sway like waves. We kind of got freaked out and we jumped down and we fell to the ground and we struggled against these waves. It was like quicksand. Then the drums began. Boom, 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 boom. Where are these drums coming from? Hey, man, can, can you hear that? Yeah, man, I can hear that too. Is it, is it, is it, is it war drums? I don't know. I, I don't want to find out. Like, oh, it's got to be war drums. Well, fuck, let's get the hell out of here, man. So we're freaking out and we're literally swimming in this pea gravel. And these two young girls approach us. What are you guys doing? We, we can't get out of here. The drums, can you hear the drums? The war drums, they're coming. There's no drums. What are you talking about? Can't you hear them? We can hear them. You guys are weird. We can't get out of here. The drums are coming. Well, as you can probably guess, these drums are just this steady rhythm. Boom, boom, boom. Of our own bloody heartbeats. The psilocybin is making our young, ignorant, untrained senses super acute. Now, psilocybin mimics the neurotransmitter serotonin, the active metabolite that's formed by the body's psilocin. And think of these structures, they're like geometric patterns. And for some reason, psilocin and serotonin have the same pattern. So when you ingest mushrooms, psilocin takes the place of serotonin for processing information, and you process way more information. So your senses are literally in hyperdrive and your brain is able to let in way more information. Being so young, it was hard to process this. I feel like I was too young for psychedelics and I don't know, you know, I, I, I don't rule anybody's world, but I enjoy them a lot more as an adult and I get way more out of them on a personal level as an adult. It wasn't like that as a kid. It was just trippy. So we somehow get out of this gravel and we feel the need to get back to that store and get some orange juice because I was like common knowledge in high school, you know, drug knowledge that orange juice will make it come down. I want to fucking come down. So we're walking through this strange unknown neighborhood like a couple mental ward escapees. The ground is rolling and the lights are everywhere. Funny thing, <laughs> we actually walked by the house where those two girls lived. And I remember so vividly, their whole family is standing there like a perfect family portrait with their, all their arms around each other. The dad says, Hey, you guys alright? My daughters thought you guys were pretty messed up. And I remember perfectly, my brain somehow switched. And I spat out my name, my phone number, and my address completely perfectly. And as I looked away, the world changed back to psychedelic. And we timidly found the store that was about five minutes down the street. And this was one of those old 80s style gas stations. And the gas pumps, you know, they had those, uh, the hoses that stuck out from the side. 
and they just looked like these looming robots. It was pretty scary shit. So I run in the store and I grab that orange juice and because I'm terrified now and I want to come down. And I walk up to the counter and I jump back. The man behind the counter is completely cubed out. Like a perfect analogy, like nowadays that you know, is that he looked exactly like Minecraft Steve. And I throw the change in the counter and I bolt outside. Ah, the fucking gas pump robots. Holy fuck, man. I gotta get out of here. Dude, this, we took too much. This is too much. What the hell is going on? I need to get home. I'm calling Ernie. Now, Ernie is our fucking boss. But, you know, I did too much too young. And I needed to not be in this crazy foreign environment. And that's kind of a thing for me now. I actually enjoy to trip in solid places now. So, this is way before the days of cell phones. So I creep up to this old school payphone. And I fumble through my pockets and I find a quarter. And I somehow remember his number. So it's... This is way before the days of area code, so there's only eight dudes. Ring, ring. Hello? Ernie? And I say this in this clearly overwhelmed voice. Yes, who, who, who's this? Th th this is Simon. You, you gotta pick me up, man. I gotta get home. Why? What the hell's going on? I, I'm, 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 I'm freaking out, man. I'm, I'm, I'm high on mushrooms. Oh, for fuck's sakes. Where are you guys? We're, 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 we're by that gas station where you dropped us off. Oh, the one on Dooney Trunk? Yeah. God damn it. Wait there. Click. Ernie is this weird old dude with this white, messy, curly hair. So a half hour later shows up and I'm... I'm kind of freaked out, and I jump in shotgun, and he doesn't say a thing, and I'm glad, because I can barely look at him, and he looks like like a male version of Medusa, but like more wormy, like not like snakes, uh, but you get the picture, and his curls are moving around, and it's like they're just alive with vigor. Now, in Alice in Wonderland, there's many analogies to about, you know, growing and shrinking, and as I drove in this 1990s minivan, I experienced exactly that the whole ride home. Like it felt like a whole lifetime, but it was, you know, more like a half hour. I would shrink down to the size of a pea and I'd be looking up at this giant, massive, ginormous Medusa ass looking motherfucker. And then my body would inflate like a balloon and my entire being was pressed tightly against the floor and the windshield and the doors and the floor of this new and roomy super modern early 90s minivan that brought me to work in one reality and brought me home in a completely different one. This half hour feels like 10 lifetimes in complete awkward silence, but I'm growing and shrinking anyways, so I'm not sure what the hell to say. I don't know him very well and I don't even feel comfortable. Finally, he arrives at my parents' place, and I never saw Ernie again. And that's fine with me, because his hair is fucking scary. So, I'm supposed to be working for a few more hours, and my parents were surprised to see me there. They're in the kitchen, and I can't avoid them to get to the safety of my bedroom, which is my ultimate goal. Why are you home, Simon? It's so early. Uh, 
I I'm sick. I'm not feeling well. I'm just going to go to bed, okay? All right. So I got to my room, and I took off my clothes, and I tried to go to bed. And I turned off the lights, and bam! The darkness illuminates with this pulsating colors and more geometric patterns. Now, I highly recommend dosing in, in the complete darkness. It's pretty amazing, you know, to see the pitch black become illuminated by your subconscious. It's pretty cool. But it was intense for a 13-year-old mind. And I got up. And I ran out of the room, and man, I can't believe it, but I was like, Mom and Dad, I'm high on magic mushrooms. My mom starts freaking out. She's the most beautiful soul, but if she's scared or mad, her Portuguese comes out, and she's a force to be reckoned with. Dan, take him to the hospital right now or pump his stomach. Now thank the gods for my old man, because he took control. Not an easy thing to do for my mom, and not something he did very often in our lifetime. But he said these amazing words. Calm down, you're going to give him a bad trip. My whole body felt that feeling of safety, because I knew, for once, that my dad was knew my dad was right. My dad knew best. As they're arguing in the kitchen, my dad's thankfully standing his ground. I was laying on the couch in the living room. I was still tripping pretty hard at this point, and I vividly remember this. It's one of the weirdest visual hallucinations I've ever experienced to this day. So I'm staring at the TV, and I can hear some lame early 90s sitcom, and I can hear my parents arguing in the other room, but the images I'm seeing on the TV are not what I'm hearing. Like, I'm seeing these images, like these dark brown pictures from, like, like Wild West days. Like, I guess probably dead people or something. And I distinctly remember this old man with this pointy long beard and this dark top hat. My dad comes in the living room and says, Okay, come on, come with me. And he leads me to the bedroom and says, Here, hang out in here. You'll feel more comfortable in our bedroom. We never moved as kids, so at one time this room, you know, was me and my brothers that we shared as young kids. So it was, it definitely made me feel comfortable. He gave me a bunch of pencils and a stack of paper and said, Here, you might want to draw or write. I remember loving to do that while I was tripping. So, as an educational podcast, this brings up a very, very, very good point and lesson if you use psychedelics. Especially like macro doses, like large amounts. And that's setting. It's all about setting. And I can't stress this enough. If you're new with experimenting with psilocybin mushrooms or any strong psychedelic, do them where you're comfortable. Do them with people you love. They totally, completely enhance your ability to feel love and show love for others and the planet around you. So I'm sitting there in bed all comfortable, feeling safe and... The wallpaper has always been this awesome, like, 60s and 70s design. Like, these cool purple flowers, purple and lime green flowers. I always thought the petals kind of looked like breasts growing up. And now they really did, except, like, they're all moving around. I drew many pictures that night. Most of them were, like, something to do with drums for some reason. Others were dinosaurs holding dynamite. I have no idea what that means, but it's kind of a cool band name, I guess. Now, I began to come down finally, and like all trips, you know, it came to an end. And this is clearly a very important event in my life. 
for me to be able to, you know, recall this with so much detail after almost 30 years tells you how profound it was for me. You know, it wasn't mystical. It wasn't like I didn't see gods and shit. I don't even know what gods were at that time. It was actually kind of scary, but it was very, very, very profound. You know, I, I smoke a lot of weed. My memory only holds information for long periods if it's very important. Like besides the birth of my kids, you know, there's not many memories that stick in my brain for so long. Maybe I remember so I could retell it in the future. Who knows? I run an intuition. I definitely find psilocybin mushrooms enhance that skill. I don't know much, but I, I, I can do a lot. I've never written or performed a podcast. <laughs> I just did. I haven't written since grade 12 English over 20 years ago. I never had any lab training, yet I grew mushrooms unnamed by science with no manual, germinated spores, and grew cultures on sterilized agar on petri dishes. Somehow I became a lab technician, and you know, kudos and like standing ovation to all you amateur mycologists out there doing science with no formal training. Like, that's really, really fucking cool. Like, keep it up. That's so awesome. You know, there was a few ultra-important psychedelic lessons in this story that I feel we should reiterate, and I can't stress enough. And that's know what the fuck you're ingesting. Do not ever take anything from some amateur who doesn't fully know their shit. And that's it for anything. LSD, Molly, K. If, if you're at a music festival, get your shit tested, you know? Like, be smart, be safe. And the other point to bring up again is setting. Like, setting is the key to having fun, loving, euphoric, educational, spiritual, mind-blowing, safe, life-changing experiences. You know, do them in nature. Do them under a full moon, just like I did tonight. I pretty much always do them under the full moon. That's, like, my thing. I'm really run by the full moon, and that's why I'm very happy that I decided I would record this tonight. It's so perfect. So, this brings me to the end of the story, and I guess the end of this very first podcast of Psilocybin's discussions on psilocybin mushrooms. I just want to, you know, wish peace and love to all you beautiful people who listened. You know, I can't thank you all from the, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Like, this is a huge weight off my shoulders to finally complete this. So, thanks so much for listening, and, uh, you know, much love, everybody. Uh, follow me on Instagram if you want to see my foraging and cultivation pictures of, of psilocybe mushrooms. That's at psilocymon. So P-S-Y-L-O-S-Y-M-O-N. And uh, yeah, man. See you all out there in the world. Hope everyone's having a good COVID quarantine and staying safe. Hopefully we'll be out of this weird fucking time soon. So just stay positive, everybody. Thank you. Peace.